0: On a scale of 1 to 10, how high are you right now?
1: At least a 7.
0: Fuck. (gasps) Okay. (laughs) What's up, everybody? This is Fred from Smegco, and today I'm joined by... Frankie. And we are going to be covering Princess Mononoke, which will be interesting you know i've I've tried for a while to get you to watch any anime and you've absolutely refused I th- before we'd, we'd started watching this uh and you were getting very upset with me for trying to force anime upon you yeah. um i asked like what your problem was with it and uh i don't i don't i'll be a terrible partner in this moment and say i don't remember at all what it was so why don't you explain it to the audience
1: okay uh I don't know, I just, like, all the anime I saw as a kid, I kind of hated.
0: Okay, so what'd you see as a kid?
1: Just, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and that but, kind of thing, but... but you but said when
0: we covered Pokemon that you loved Yu-Gi-Oh! That you were a big Yu-Gi-Oh! fan.
1: Yeah, but I didn't like the show.
0: Okay, you just liked the cards. Yeah. But you hated the show. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, you... So, yeah, you would said that you'd watched, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and, I think, a little bit of Dragon Ball. Uh-huh. Um, and was that... Was that pretty much it? Was that, like, your entire uh like batch of anime pretty much okay so like you basically saw the the like opening slots of like toonami or something right did you watch any like sailor moon or anything like that no you didn't watch any sailor moon no Ah, uh, sailor moon is great it got really fucked when it came to the u.s but it's great
1: well, everything gets fucked when it comes to the u.s
0: yeah but it's it's got issues you missed, like, pretty much everything off of the Adult Swim lineup then, too, right? So you basically just watched, like...
1: Well, I got into Adult Swim, like, later.
0: Okay, well, th- what did you watch on Adult Swim?
1: I mean, I watched Archer with you.
0: Yeah, but that's not anime. I don't
1: know. It's, it's animation. Also,
0: that's on FX.
1: Whatever! Um, <laughs> I don't remember what any of them were called. Did you know, watch, you like,
0: think? Naruto, Bleach, One yeah. Piece? Okay. But you never went out of your way to like look for any of the the I don't know, stranger stuff or, or I only want to call it stranger stuff, but you didn't watch any like Slice of Life's like Nietzsche Joe or anything like that. No. No mm-hmm. no invasion squid girl. No. Which is a shame because that is a great show. I love that show. It's it's one of the few anime that I've got uh smeg to watch. Oh. Huh. Um and you definitely didn't get into any of the stuff like Ergo Proxy or Hell no. Anything like that. Serial Experiments Lane.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. I know I've made you watch an episode, at least, of Serial Experiments Lane, and you weren't having any of it. And I never tried again.
1: I don't even remember this, so.
0: Yeah, you you wouldn't have. You, you saw the opening segment, and you were like, what the fuck is this? I hate it. And uh, <laughs> then we never watched it again. <laughs> which sucks, because it was, like, one of my favorite series. Um, so you had, like, almost no real exposure to to anime coming in and definitely not like the the real like movies side of things right no. like the more serious stuff Mm-mm. um so this then as a result was your first your first studio ghibli film what did you think
1: uh i pretty much loved it
0: yeah yeah i, I remember when we when we came away from the ending uh you had turned to me and said that it was very beautiful
1: it uh, was
0: i mean and you were more than a little teary-eyed was not. You were. It was very cute.
1: It was not.
0: Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go ahead and say that uh, Princess Mononoke is a little bit outside the realm of, of your, your general uh, Miyazaki or Studio Ghibli film. Uh, usually, they're much less violent.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah.
0: There's a lot more, like, from what I remember from the ones that I've watched, I haven't watched a ton, uh, they're way more fantastical than this one was, you know, this one you still had, of course, your talking animals, um, a lot of, like, folklore elements yeah. to it. Um, But it wasn't, like, something like My Neighbor Totoro or Spirited Away or these other ones that, like, when, when, you, when you open up to somebody and you're like, let's watch a Studio Ghibli film, you usually are like, we're going to watch Spirited Away, we're going to watch My Neighbor Totoro. You typically don't say, let's watch Princess Mononoke. <laughs> but, um... I don't know. We took the we took the shot. It was it was when when I gave you your four options. The four options were going to wind up being either we watch Akira, which is not one of these, but I love it. Uh, we were going to watch Spirit Away, Princess Mononoke, or My Neighbor Totoro. Those were your, your four options, basically, um, because they seemed like a the most fun to talk about and b the most likely things for you to be like, hey, I'm into this a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm glad that you you enjoyed it
1: yeah i did a lot
0: <laughs> uh we're going to probably avoid doing like a plot by plot or a plot synopsis like scene by scene breakdown of this you know where we're probably going to talk uh fairly generally uh about this one if that is okay with you sure because i know you didn't take notes during it so it <laughs> would just be my no, notes and that would be probably a, a, a just a mess where there'd be a lot of scene jumping and it's. It's. We're not going to be able to stick to a, a scene by scene type thing. We're probably going to be a little bit jumpy all over the place. Um, I'm going to say that for your sake, because I know that you you aren't a big fan of reading subtitles for a movie. We did do the English dub for this one, mm-hmm. um, and so that's where this piece of news that I was going to drop on you that I found literally minutes before uh, recording. Uh, so this is from an article out of Sci-Fi. Uh, Yes, Neil Gaiman wrote the English dub for Princess Mon- uh, Mononoke, but his name was deleted. Uh, so from, from uh, Neil Gaiman's tweet, um, my biggest secret, Studio Ghibli asked for some of the Miramax execs to be removed from the posters and credits. The execs looked at all the names, decided that theirs would remain, and realized that mine was contractually exp- expendable. And so his, uh, his name got just pulled from the credits and the poster and all the marketing and everything um Take move. yeah which sucks because this is it's largely regarded as like one of the the best um uh english adaptations or translations for any of, of miyazaki's work um and apparently according to the sci-fi uh article it had originally been shot to tarantino who uh. had uh recommended gaiman when it came across and was like i'm not gonna do this but here's somebody else that i know that will do it yeah um you know now granted th- I feel like, you know, this was around, like, 97, 98, you know. I feel like it was definitely, Gaiman didn't have quite the same acclaim as he does now, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I've I've never really looked into, like, when The Sandman came out or anything like that. I don't um, think
1: I've ever read anything by Gaiman, so.
0: Yeah, but you've, you've watched uh, most of Good Omens and stuff, so. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm just saying I haven't read any of this stuff.
0: So. Yeah. I mean, I've. Got my copy of American Gods on the shelf behind you, but it's fine. You don't have to read anything that I buy. It's all right. I get it. Well, you'll you'll one, stick.
1: Fuck you! And two, I have other things to read.
0: You'll stick to your mediocre urban fantasy. I get yes,
1: it. Yes, I will because <laughs> I enjoy it.
0: Um, so I'm pulling up real quick. My voice went all funky. Some of the 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 like cast information. Course directed by by Hayao Miyazaki. Um. I'm pulling up the English voices real quick. So yeah, yeah. uh Main character Ashitaka was played by Billy Crudup, who is not a name that I immediately recognize. I was gonna say,
1: who the hell is that?
0: Exactly right. But like, he was he was in um the Watchmen as Dr. Manhattan. Um, Which I
1: hate that movie so.
0: Really, you hate that movie? Why? I don't know. <laughs> you just kind of do.
1: I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen it, but the first time I saw it, I hated it, so.
0: Well, that's...
1: Might be because I only saw half of it, but...
0: I mean, it's not, like, the best movie, but... Uh, Billy Bob Thornton, Mini Driver as uh, Lady Eboshi. I want to talk about Lady Eboshi later. Um, John DiMaggio as Gonza. Uh, Claire Danes son. Uh John DiMotta as Koroku. Uh the one that, that really okay, here's here's uh the three that had really thrown me off uh when we were looking through was uh and granted I, I recognized one, you recognized one, but the other ones did not see coming. Uh Jada Pinkett Smith as Toki. What? Yeah. Uh Jillian Anderson as Moro, which was the the uh mama wolf. Yeah. And uh Keith David as Okotil. And then, yeah, of course, Tara my Strong, man, or, David, yeah, and then Tara Strong is in it as well, at a point at the the very beginning you do you know Tara Strong, right? No, okay, I'm gonna pull up a couple of acting credits real quick, and you'll be like, oh, this person's in everything that I've ever watched ever, um okay, so you've watched Powerpuff Girls
1: when I was seven,
0: Bubbles. uh, you watched uh fairly odd parents, hell, yeah, Timmy Turner, um. I, I can go through this list, and like she's been in probably like ninety-nine percent of the cartoons I watched as a kid.
1: I thought you hated me during that show for the outtakes. Yeah, I,
0: I don't have any patience for anything non-Cartoon Network. I was not a I was not a Nickelodeon kid. I wasn't a uh, a Disney Channel kid. You're lame. I'll I'll take Ed Ed and Eddie over Danny Phantom any well, day. Well, hell
1: yes, because Ed Ed and Eddie is like the pinnacle of cartoons.
0: Dexter is far superior to SpongeBob. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't I don't have any patience for that Nickelodeon nonsense. No, thank you. Plus, I didn't see Nickelodeon ever putting on Dragon Ball Z, so it, it's, mm. got no, it's got I've got no time for it. You know, you you can you can you can. Uh, Ugh, and, and throw out disgusted noises all you want. But Dragon Ball Z is great. It's fantastic. And I'm sure if you gave it another look, you would be like, Oh, you know what? This is actually good. Uh, <laughs> uh let's go ahead and do you wanna just give a, a general summary of the movie? Why me? Because you're in this podcast too, and I want you to do something.
1: Uh Okay.
0: <laughs> also it's, it's gonna it'll be fun to watch you kind of flounder a little bit.
1: Um <laughs> I only remember like half of this movie, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, we open up with um basically the Ashitaka's village, the uh which I've I've seen labeled as the Amishi village or Amishi Village. Yeah. Um being attacked by a rampaging demon, uh, which looks amazing, right? Like it's it's, it's this gross weird, like writhing like tentacle mass that surrounds this board. I love Ugh. the way that it moves where it's got this like this six-legged, like, bug-like type thing that rampages through and leaves this, like, swath of destruction in its wake. Mm. It's really, like, so well animated. Yeah, um, but it
1: was so nasty looking. Nah. Uh,
0: it's it's like this mix of spider and pig tentacle monster that's it, mm-hmm. so just interesting.
1: No. <laughs> um,
0: attacks this village. Uh, Ashitaka, our main character, who's the prince of the village, kills the demon but in the process uh, gets infected by the demon's curse and uh, journeys to the west in an attempt to have his curse lifted by the spirit of the forest along the way meeting lovable characters and getting into uh, a conflict that uh, he really didn't ask for oh, right um, so i want to i want to start off by talking about the Mishi village uh, and some of the, the stuff that I'd made a connection to that there's definitely um, holy shit this cat hates me okay yeah right Right. so um, I'm going <laughs> to talk to you about the Amishi the village and just some stuff so uh, it definitely apparently I didn't realize that the Amishi people were a an actual uh, group that that existed I, um, I'm only pulling this out of the Wikipedia thing I haven't done a ton of research into the Amishi people because it's reasonably difficult yeah. um they they'd kind of existed uh in this this sort of period between like or before like the 1300s 1500s and basically just separate themselves from the the like yamato system that had existed right this i know that means absolutely nothing to you but i'm i'm trying not to do a full like history of japan cuz that's going to be insufferable
1: you're already insufferable
0: i know um anyways and and these people basically went up just being slowly uh, assimilated or um killed through through genocide and other reforms until there's really not much record bu- left behind.
1: Oh, so you know just how human beings do.
0: Yeah. Um so in in that way when I when I first watched I made more connections to the Ayanu people, which okay. is another one of those groups, but unlike the Amishi, they are still around today though also in a really
1: not great limited spot.
0: capacity uh, i think the one of the figures that i saw I've listed them at maybe having twenty five thousand people it's it's like really rough right now a lot of a lot of uh people who still follow that culture are kind of relegated to like the northeast parts of uh honshu i think is, is the right region and uh the rest of them are kind of left in like northern Hokkaido and beyond that there's just a bunch of people who like have Ainu ancestry but really can't trace it to anything or might not even know that they have it Mm -hmm. uh, because of just really kind of fucked um policies that have have led to that that whole culture kind of being diminished
1: how humans do Uh,
0: yeah well how colonizers do Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: so, I definitely noticed like some notes of that, especially with uh some of the notation being made about how the amishi were being pushed further and further north and out of and out of the the their previous regions right that gets noted by one of the oh, characters yeah. that they've been in the beginning yeah, yeah, they've been being pushed out out of these areas um and so you kind of have this character who has to uh to some extent shed that that heritage and like journey into the into the west and back into uh, this other civilization, right, going from a more uh, naturalistic perspective into a more industrial one, right, which is seen by, like, for example, the Boar's curse being being driven front by, like, a, a lump of iron that's been shot into him, right, mm-hmm. which, when I think of iron, I think of typically, like, industry and warfare.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: You look like you were just about to say something.
1: Oh, I was just, in my brain, I connected it more to white people coming here for Native Americans, you know, like the difference between well, that's, ways that's of why life was,
0: that's why i was saying like it's yeah. it's just a, an issue of of both um sort of a changing of time and of tides right and of uh like questions of industry it's to, to get very uh high school english and just oversimplify right it's very much a, a like man versus nature type story yeah but I, I always hated whenever you had to do that in class because it felt so simplistic, right? You aren't digging any deeper into things. Yeah. When, when you say that, it was, it was typically done in a, it's a man versus nature story, and then it's just done. Just that's the end of the discussion on theming when I was in high school. Pretty much. And to that end, I'm going to go ahead and pull some stuff from the, uh, Nasca.net has a English summary of like a six-hour documentary that was done back in like 98, on the making of this movie. And so I'm pulling from some of the summary there. I haven't had a chance to read all of it cuz I spent a couple hours today doing that off and on and I made it through halfway of part 1. <laughs> it is very extensive and I highly recommend it to anybody who wants additional reading. The link to that uh opening page or something will be on the uh show notes as will any other like uh sources that we've drawn from or anything like that. Um links to like the sci-fi article and all that will be found in the show notes, presuming I remember this time, and it's not like the last time that I said stuff will be in the show notes and forgot for three days. Mm-hmm. It's the, it's a the downside whenever you've got somebody else who does uh, show notes sometimes, although I think the last time I said that, I um, think I did the show notes. You did. <laughs> and then I had to message Meg and be, while I was at work and be like, hey, can you throw these onto the bottom there, please? Yeah. It would be very appreciated. Oh, right, it was because it was when we did Scooby-Doo, And I'd wanted to link out to one of Ryan Hollinger's videos and Mia's Cynical Cartoons uh, podcast. I know that means nothing to you, um, but I'm going to go ahead and pull from uh, just this passage. It's going to be a bit of a longer one, but uh, this is discussing uh, some of the struggles that Miyazaki was having when he was coming up with a story for this film. And we're going to talk about his story making uh, process. That's what I'm looking for, uh, here in a second, but, uh, quote, His struggle for creating an original story mainly comes from his strong desire to create an absolutely new type of drama, which should be very different from the movies he has created previously, and should be well received by Japanese society. He wants to address in the drama the following five very serious issues which he believes many Japanese young people recognize and feel frustrated with. One, young people feel emptiness in their minds. Two, regardless of their daily good or bad behavior, The lives of many japanese especially those of young people are often involved in inexplicable unfairness and no one knows even how to solve problems Uh, they have to learn how to live on their own lives uh, without any hope for the future typical examples include discrimination based upon disease race gender and unreasonable causes Uh, for example uh, just stuff for no reason or no specific reason three the relationship between human beings and mother nature has changed often Humans forget the fact that Mother Nature has allowed humans being their existence in this world. Four, an increasing number of incidents have occurred based upon the ugly side of human nature, fighting instinct and hatred. People accumulate their hatred towards something and or someone different from themselves and end up killing them. And then finally, five, coexistence and conflict between rationalism and attraction to mystery within a same society and or by one person. I'm going to continue this this quote and then we'll get back into talking, okay? Okay. Uh, Miyazaki says, quote, I want to challenge serious problems which are impossible to solve but unfortunately exist. I do not want to tell lies to society, especially young people. I have made very kind and cheerful love stories, and Japanese people in society love them a lot. In my movies, characters have established basics in their lives, which they want to protect and keep. Of course, they are well loved by their families and society, but I have come to the point where I have to let society realize that, in fact, There are many unthinkable and unsolvable contradictions. In my new movie, a main character will be told by his society, by his own people, we have let you go, even though what you did for us was honorable and respectable. He does not have a choice, and consequently starts his lonely journey to look for hope and the true meaning of life. My new movie will be a serious and heavy movie, and it may not be uh, financially successful. In fact, I got Suzuki-san's permission, since Jibli may end up closing uh, down its activity because of my new movie. I will not meet my fans' perceptions. And I cut off the quote like a fool. Uh, so it's it's really interesting seeing Miyazaki at this point of being like, I've got this movie that I want to make and these things that I want to tell, but they're so outside of the norm for what I make and what my company usually makes that I don't think is going to be successful and I might have to close my company as a result.
1: Yeah, that's that's, a risk?
0: Yeah. Um, but still feeling this drive to do it. It's one of those things that I really um, do like and respect. Out of Miyazaki. Th- oh, I didn't cut off.
1: Too late. Move on.
0: Okay. No, actually, I do want to finish that quote because it's fucking great. Uh, I will not meet my fans' perceptions and expectations of the long-established theme and tone of my movies. People have supported my work and Ghibli may no longer love us, but I have had enough of it, and now I will destroy it, and Suzuki-san is okay with that damn yeah yeah that's why that's why i was like oh it sucks that the quotes ended there because it gets real good and uh found it i had to scroll down because it formatted real weird one of the things i've looked into in the past a little bit but uh not not nearly enough is apparently for a good while miyazaki was a communist which i can definitely see a lot of the language being put forward in uh his discussion of what he aims for with the movie now granted apparently by like the nineties he had uh dropped a lot of it or moved past it, citing that he just didn't see uh, communism as a as a thing that would be moved forward within uh Japan. Um, I don't know whether that is uh him simply uh saying it's not a thing that's likely to go forward in Japan in my lifetime or if it's a thing that's completely inaccessible to Japan or what his reasoning was. I need to do more reading into that, but uh, going into the movie and already knowing ahead of time his, his early communist leadings, I did like go in looking for those things, and there's definitely a bit of it within the movie that we might wind up discussing. Okay. But uh, you definitely see it in, in uh, discussions about the contradictions within society and things like that. that yeah, is, definitely. uh very Marxist language. Let's see. So, what have I got further down? Do, do you have anything about the the opening like third of the movie?
1: You had some funny moments
0: any standout ones i need you to elaborate beyond it had funny oh, moments
1: sorry like well i don't know if you'd count it yeah i guess you would when he like shoots the guy's head off
0: okay i was just about to bring that up with yeah. the
1: arms it's funny
0: yeah like there's there's definitely there's we get some opening like uh battle scenes and whatnot and you definitely see where where the character's curse uh is is kind of lending itself towards violence yeah uh but it's almost comical, right? He, he goes to he goes to shoot an arrow, and it it full on just takes off two of the dude's arms and pins them to a tree.
1: Yeah, that was free. Or it
0: just it pops off someone else's uh, head like they're an action figure or a Barbie or something. <laughs> it's it's um it's a little absurdist, and it does downplay some of the the violence that uh, it seemed Miyazaki had wanted to uh, portray, right? Um, I, I remember reading in the uh that that documentary synopsis or however you can even refer to that it was such a bizarre experience reading it because i couldn't tell what was the translator's uh interpretations of things and what was just flat translation Mm -hmm. but um he he had definitely said that like he didn't want to shy away from from portraying violence and it's because of the way that it's uh it's uh, like simple fact of of a story like this where you have these uh elements of warfare and everything in it to shy away then from scenes of of more graphic violence wouldn't really work as well yeah so he winds up then running into a i'm going to cut out the bits where we we discuss like him running into the monk uh in the village we can talk about that if you would like but i don't have a ton to say about it
1: yeah me either
0: i found it to be a really interesting scene right um We'll talk about it briefly, I guess. You know, the the prince winds up arriving into this this village, uh, into this market, and is looking to uh, buy some rice f- for provisions on his journey, and winds up trading a, a gold nugget, which he seems to kind of trade away as if it's as if it's not much, right? He doesn't seem to have, have assigned much of a value to it, yeah, right, and it doesn't seem like other people have either until. A third party our monk comes along and explains what it is and its value right yeah um, which I don't know I found very very interesting right we, we start to get into Marxist ideas of use value and exchange value which we're not going to have the discussion of here because last time I had that discussion with one of my co-workers it wound up being a two and a half hour thing where I think we decided that gold is pointless and worthless
1: yeah, You would need like a whole separate podcast. And that. we're,
0: yeah, we're not, we're not doing a politics podcast, unfortunately.
1: Thank God.
0: <laughs> I, I did find the scene very interesting, though, for that, that reason. And we do get introduced to our, our monk, uh, during this, during this scene, uh, Jigo, who's, I guess, went through several revisions when he was first, uh, first written. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can kind of see how he got combined with another character. There was originally another character who was uh, a wandering Chinese monk. Uh-huh. And there was uh, Jigo, who was a uh, altogether different character. You can kind of see that getting blended, right?
1: Yeah, that was, like, the only thing about this that was weird and I kind of didn't like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Was that when you first meet the monk guy, he's kind of, like, nice and, like, old man-like, you know?
0: Yeah, you don't you don't get as much of the, the like, opportunistic nature yeah, shown in, in his opening scene. Yeah, and at the
1: scene. end he gets, like, super greedy and mm-hmm. just... It was a weird. Combo. Well, and especially
0: when he opens up with very like uh, Buddhist language. Yeah. Right? When when he says things like "all oh, life is suffering" and so and so on, that's very uh, Buddhist language. It's yeah. also very black-pilled language, but it's it's you know it has its has its root in in Buddhism. So it was interesting to see him going from that, and then by the end of the movie, attaching more value into uh, sort of material gains. To the point where, like, when we hit the end of the movie, I was confused, and I was like, is this a whole, like, is this an altogether different character?
1: Me, too. I was like, isn't that the guy from earlier, but he's so different now? Yeah. Like, what'd you do?
0: Yeah, like, it It was very, um, I had a rough time about that point. And
1: I, he kind of came out of nowhere at the end. Yeah. Like, you barely have any mention of the Emperor, and...
0: Well, you you do because when like it's when he gets in introduced, it's just not
1: like the what appears to be the main storyline.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, what what did you, what did you feel the main storyline was?
1: Well, once he gets to Iron Town, I feel like it's gonna. I felt like it was gonna be, he's gonna try and solve the conflict between, soon, is that uh, the San. girl, son, son, and Lady Aboshi. Mm-hmm. I thought that was gonna be it. And then it becomes like this whole thing of they're trying to kill the spirit of the forest and cut off the head and all that. That was just not what I was expecting. That's all.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. So we have that market scene. We're gonna we're gonna skip forward a little bit into when we we get first introduced to Lady Eboshi, right? She's uh, with a a line of of um, like ox carts that are are
1: carrying supplies carrying supplies from yeah. a recent
0: trading expedition and along the way they they encounter uh son and the wolves yeah uh, that son was raised by
1: damn was that like
0: yeah which is a it's a horrible great to watch yeah it's it's a it's a rough scene i remember as soon as the the dogs sh- the the wolves showed up and uh and one of them gets shot you were very There's upset not having it <laughs> very distraught
1: Animals are pure. You cannot hurt them.
0: Yeah. What I what I had taken note of was that we get this this uh, like it's really notable what these characters are then using gunpowder, right? Coming out of yeah. Out of what's what's written to be like kind of a, like 1300s kind of era of yeah. Japan, right? And
1: then suddenly we've just got freaking rifles.
0: Yeah. And um, this is a thing that Nasca dot Net had had stated that. You know, firearms didn't really make their way into Japan until about, like, the 1500s or so, 1600s, when there was, like, a lot of trading being yeah. done with with uh, Western nations into it. But there's also not the—it's not impossible that uh, gunpowder had made its way from China over to Japan, and there had been some very rudimentary firearms at the time. Yeah. Um, well, because
1: it may seem very, like, beginning stages. Yeah, well, it's, so it's very much, yeah. like,
0: matchlock type stuff. But you know, it's it was a thing where, like, when I saw the gunpowder and stuff, I was thinking of like it's it's very like visual shorthand for like more advanced civilizations in this in this time period. And so once again, you have this this thing of um, these advanced warfare, uh, advanced forces, right, uh, or advanced civilization, right? This uh, move towards industrialization, warfare, doing battle then with the more natural forces, right? That being yeah. the wolves and uh the the four spirits and uh tradition right moving away from from tradition into uh this this more uh i'm i'm don't know like homogenous type society is not the word i'm looking for right but i know what
1: you mean though
0: yeah yeah where you go from from very like disparate belief systems and moving into um and and like uh cultures and everything moving into one uh kind of uniform uh synthesis type thing
1: also is a bit more like of i feel like there's a very big difference where the village was they took care of each other and protected each other to like they still have that in iron town but i felt like it was more everybody was more focused on themselves and well it it seemed like it seemed like in the
0: amishi village right it's um it definitely seemed like everybody within the village it was very like communal but you also get the feeling from it that um, like, outsiders would be taken into, right? That yeah. sort of thing. Um, meanwhile, once you start moving into what, what could be more broadly referred to as civilization, right, you had a lot more, you had a shrinking of that, right? Where it's like, okay, well, now it's within these walls, you're fine, but outside of it, uh, you might be be treated a little bit differently, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and they're really, like, against letting in people they don't know. And
0: One of the other things I noted was, uh Boshi's, like, very early... Uh, kind of like casual regard to human life, right? When um, the the wolf winds up uh, knocking a bunch of p- or killing a bunch of people and, and you know bringing them off the cliff and everything. Yeah. You have uh, one of one of the the villagers asked, you know, what do we want to do about the the men that she that uh, she tackled off the cliff? And Lady Obo she just says, well, what does it matter? They're already dead. Yeah, um, which I was, was like, very what? interesting, right? But especially because it's like when we do get a look at Iron Town, it's like it's not the biggest village right there's a there's a good chance that like she knows all those people that got that got taken off the off the cliff right and and the the kind of casual regard that she takes seems to take to it at least speaks very differently to the character that she winds up having later and then gets reinforced though in the, in the finale of the film right when she winds up instead being taken over by her her goal and disregards uh, everybody Iron else and everything else that she'd built up yeah did you have uh anything that you wanted to say about the first introduction of the wolves and Lady Eboshi?
1: I liked her at first, yeah, later on, not so much though
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see then we have we have a scene in which we've now been introduced to San, who's uh a girl who has been raised by the wolves and is kind of just taken on as as part of their family and is uh once again another person who's kind of like of the forest, right, yeah, um she can speak to the forest spirits and the animals and is familiar with all of these these more natural uh parts of life right yeah uh so once once they're in- were introduced to san uh ashitaka winds up taking uh, one of the the wounded people from the cliff and two s- but Who's well, i'm saying one he's carrying the other one is on the the back of his very fucking adorable oh my god uh, that red elk like that, that thing, thing is so cute. so cute i love it so much uh and they wind up kind of uh not giving chase but following them and and sort of tracking them through the forest right aiming to get to to wherever the, the center of the forest is yeah um and along the way we wind up meeting our tree spirits which is one of the, the few, like, bits of, of, like, visual imagery that I was I was familiar with before coming into the film. But, man, when you see them, like, in motion and everything, it is, they're way too cute.
1: They're so <laughs> cute. Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah. I, I Every time that we, we saw them on screen, I'm like, you are the most adorable thing to ever exist, and the only thing I want in the world right now is to be your friend. Right? Holy so shit. So great. It was, we did both note that they've got... Weirdly defined butts. I <laughs> knew it was so creepy. <laughs> you see them. You see them walking along trees, and from the back, and all you can see is just ass crack. And it's like, okay, well,
1: <laughs> right? Like, you're so sweet and innocent, but butt.
0: Yeah, it's it's very it's it was definitely a little bizarre.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, we wind up during this getting our our first introduction or first first glimpses, I guess, of the spirit of the forest. Which
1: what the. F- which at first
0: just looks like a a just real fucked deer, right It had like forty points to its antlers. it was so strange But the
1: face is what i really we, yeah, but we don't
0: get this face till much later I um, know but yeah, and shortly after this, we get introduced to lady Eboshi's iron town, um which again we see like which is like a slave town let's be real here uh not not necessarily we'll talk about that, but um. Well,
1: when you first see it that's what i felt like it was until so you get like inside and you realize that that's not exactly true
0: sure like when we when you first see it you get this uh you know we see like these these massive walls right the separation of of the town proper from the nature surrounding it um this mass deforestation right the mountain's been oh yeah pretty much clear-cut right you, you have this this complete removal of of nature and you see a lot of, like, uh, smoke and everything, right? These, yeah. these signs of, like, uh, industry once again. Um, des- this is this destruction of nature, right? This uh, conflict that's being driven um, from the people within towards the, the traditional spirits without.
1: Yeah. I just had a... Yeah. Eureka moment. Oh, yeah? Well, I was just thinking that it's interesting that we watch this now, this movie. Uh-huh. When... Climate change is becoming a very big problem.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and it was one of the things that I, I saw during my, my reading, once again, from Nausicaa. You can almost assume what, that... What, to think that this movie
1: came out, what, the year I was born?
0: Yeah, it was like 97.
1: Yeah, so the um, year I was born?
0: You can assume almost any time that I'm, I'm discussing anything that I did reading on, it's from Nausicaa. Because holy shit, that took up m- most of my research time. We'll yeah. talk a little bit about... Um, NHK did a uh, four-part documentary on um, Miyazaki that started like back in 06. I will wind up linking to that cuz it's available for streaming for free uh with a English uh dub or translation um that's been done. But uh I guess Miyazaki didn't immediately want to do like something with an environmental message, right? Because he felt like everybody already knows that nature's precious. I don't feel like I'm doing anything by reinforcing this.
1: Clearly not.
0: Yeah, you <laughs> would you would hope, but <laughs> we wind up having then ashitaka get introduced into the village one of the things that i I found very uh interesting i think shortly before he comes in is uh they're discussing uh the losses from the wolves attack yeah and it was a couple of the like village men i did note that one of the uh village women had had noted that uh it's never the guards that die, right? Which oh, yeah. we get then as this uh class division. That that's, that's really hit up, me like right. Wow. Not, not to get you a little there. too middle school, right? But it is very system of a down. Why do they always send the poor being being driven into yeah. this?
1: And it's just kind of like a throwaway line that, if you're not really paying attention, you're not gonna catch.
0: Yeah, it was it was a thing that I definitely noticed more because of the subtitles that we had on. Because yeah, we, even even if we aren't watching something and it's a natural language, of course you and I are like, oh, subtitles are coming onto this bitch because we we can't we can't hear for crap.
1: Well, we're deaf as shit, so well, yeah.
0: Also, our TV is pretty busted. <laughs> it <laughs> is. <laughs> it's it's not great. We we um we recently stuck our Xbox One in there. And uh, we were hoping, I was hoping at least, that the issue that had come before was just the an old, old Xbox, Xbox 360 yeah. and a bad so HDMI cable. But uh, no, no, it's the TV. That
1: TV's just shit. Well, we need a
0: new one. I know, but I, I bought it like okay, seven I'm sorry, years ago when I moved out. I should not have to out. turn
1: the volume out to 100 to hear anything.
0: Well, stick some headphones in the controller. We get introduced as well to another character. I uh, she doesn't play a major role into it. Right, she's very supporting, but I want to point her out because I I love her. She was amazing. Uh, Toki, who is one of the wounded, uh, Men's villagers' wife. Wife, yeah. Who's just uh, yeah. I love her too much. Her introdu- introduction is so like bombastic and take charge, and she's I loved such it. a great character. That yeah, I I absolutely loved her. Okay, um,
1: and this is gonna sound really horrible, but like. As a woman, I loved it even more because it's like, yes, you tell him, girl, <laughs> you just rip him a new one.
0: We wind up as well with a scene in which it's it's really neat seeing Ashitaka, uh work with this village, right? Because when when you see uh, the village that he comes from, right, it's very egalitarian. Everybody's kind of on equal footing. Yeah. And so then coming into this, he winds up um, eating. Dinner with a bunch of the men, and you you get this very clear like uh, gender division within Ugh, the village, right? It. Where it's like the men are the ones who go to town because they can uh, survive like the the woods and, and can yeah. potentially guard better or whatever.
1: The very manly role,
0: yeah, and, and then treat you know the the women as as separate and uh, lesser than, um, frequently bringing up like a, a bunch of the women were. Um, from affle yeah sex workers and everything and so bringing up their their history as sex workers as as a means against them right um, which,
1: come on guys yeah it's like, pretty really? shady. uh
0: but then it's interesting because then you see you have Ashitaka then go to work with them in the in the forge which is where they work right um yeah. working on this this massive uh like footworked bellows foot right pedal it's, it's, thing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah that's what it's like for this massive like pedaled bellows that like was really cool to see animated right i felt like the animation yeah, it through it was so smooth great. and great um but yeah like then having him like take on that role as well to to help them out right you don't you don't see him taking on uh this same level of of discrimination or separation that you see within the village itself right
1: well yeah but then at the same time you also have the women are like what are you doing
0: yeah because like it's, why
1: are you doing this when you don't have to yeah is it, it, i liked it
0: and I liked as well, th- like, the, the language that they used when, when talking to them, uh being being a, a part of this, right? You can see him like, starting out going very, like, all out, because, of course, and then them having to explain, like, hey, no, we do, like, four-day shifts. If you do that, you are not lasting.
1: Yeah, you're going to die.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I, I felt like they were really well-developed, you know? Yeah, you had this whole, like, flirtiness going on that, of course, you're going to wind up having in almost any work mm-hmm. especially something from the 90s but i felt like the characters were uh w- much better rounded than i am used to
1: but i also liked that the ladies were kind of doing that because they're talking like me i like the women weren't ashamed of the fact that they were ex-sex workers or whatever and here's it the was other thing, thing?
0: That i'm thinking of just now but it's it's the way that they were they were working and interacting is a is a very typically like masculine trait right or at least in within like i'll I'll say the very broad like I hate to use Western cultures because Western culture is so frequently used as like a racist dog whistle, yeah. but in this case, I am using it as a way to encompass like general like European standards of masculinity, right, yeah, but uh this is like uh forward sexuality um you know this this uh movement towards more manual labor right these sorts of things that that frequently are lauded as masculine traits it's, it's interesting to see these characters take that on yeah i don't i don't necessarily know much for a historical time period right what what those traits are looking like i did see in some of the reading from nausicaa that uh during this time like you were somewhat more free right like it was it was You didn't have quite as much of the the separation of genders and you kind of see like the society's moving into this direction Mm -hmm. um in this movie which is definitely he was setting out to create a work that that's kind of in a transitory period and you can definitely see some of that uh coming on right where you've got this this kind of blend between what winds up being then uh the feudal system and the era that came before it right and you see this sort of uh transition into this era yeah we find out that the boar that attacked uh, Ashitaka's village was named Nago, who was a uh, forest god who was protecting the mountain from Aboshi's people who were attempting to uh, harvest resources and iron from the from the forest, right? Yeah. They were demolishing the forest, effectively, to...
1: Oh, yeah, it would just tearing the shit down. Yeah,
0: get access to the uh, ore and the, the land. The ore and everything, yeah. Um... I believe that it's before this that we wind up finding out though that the reason why they're so dead set on getting the iron is not only it's a tradable resource right but and and something that they can work into something for protection but they also are dealing with sort of an outside uh power that's that's like they're attempting to protect themselves from right where you have then oh yeah the emperor or the local daimyo who's putting pressure on them right as soon as he found out that the land was was workable and it had a source of iron he's been attempting to take, take it, it over and so in a way like i feel like lady Eboshi is kind of in this position where she's kind of stuck to some extent right where she's like this is the only way for us to have security or independence but in doing so we have to do battle with the forest Right.
1: Yeah, but she also at the same time doesn't seem, doesn't to, seem to really care. To I think
0: I think it's way more. She finds it as like sort of just a necessary thing. Yeah, know? I
1: feel like she's just kind of. She may not like having to do it, but she's willing to do it if it means.
0: Yeah, like she, it doesn't seem like she's until the end. It doesn't seem like she's like, oh, we've got to go kill Nago because it's fuck that boar, right? It's way more like we need this iron, and if four spirits get in our way, then. So they're gone we, yeah we're gonna have to kill some forest spirits um one of the other interesting things was oboshi takes in uh like lepers and then once again like the brothel workers and everything yeah. like takes in these these people that are are typically left to the outskirts of of society and brings them into the fold of of her village and gives them roles and everything yeah right it, it starts to pay about uh paint oboshi as, as in an almost sympathetic right light you know you can kind of see where she's coming from um, I read in I think this was once again Nausicaa, that uh she's she's meant to be painted as having a potentially very rough backstory, you know. Yeah. Um which you can kind of see in the way that she, she does take in these people that are left more toward the outskirts of, of society. She takes on a more like brash role, is kind of um more in the shit, you know. Yeah. Is is like willing to put herself into uh dangerous situations.
1: Like yeah, you see that when they get attacked by the wolves, she's very like
0: yeah, she's the active first one to, like, in the fight. Yeah, start pulling out the weapons. Uh, she's very dead set on, uh, creating lighter far, uh, firearms so that we, the women in the village can defend themselves. Right? Yeah. Yeah, um, which is very good, of course. But yeah. we wind up then leading into the confrontation in the village. Right? We have this fight between Lady Iboshi and Son, who's kind of attacked the village or infiltrated it with the uh, goal of, of killing Lady Eboshi hoping that this will uh, stop them from destroying digging, the forest yeah, digging further into the forest um, and like kind of upsetting the delicate balance that's already in play there right yeah we'll wind up seeing later when we have this confrontation between the wolves and the ape clan right and it definitely seems like there had been a balance within the forest where all these groups could work together or, or at least exist together there's
1: a bit more of a harmony than.
0: yeah and as uh things become more desperate for them you see these very disparate factions uh sort of springing up
1: yeah well and that's where the hate really starts to play a big thing into this movie is soon hates oboshi and that's where you guys like the big play. yeah yeah
0: yeah um one thing things i want to note is just how smooth the animation is during that fight scene so good um I remember in the documentary synopsis, I, I guess there had been a scene in which they're debating on how many frames to keep in it, mm-hmm. and how many cutaways to, to, to perform, which just goes to show like the level of detail that's that's performed before these things go out. Yeah, you know, there's a frequently cited thing where there's like 160,000 frames in this movie, and like Miyazaki, like went through himself to approve 80,000 and redraw. I think. Parts of all those 80,000 or something.
1: Yeah, I wish I was really surprised to hear, like, that's dedication to a movie, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it seems like um, Ghibli, at least back in the 90s, I can't speak for today, had a very interesting uh, work culture. Um, one of the things that had been noted in the documentary synopsis is how uh, it seemed like it was a, a largely female-driven company. With a lot of the staff that wound up being seen winding up being women and everything, it was very... Uh, yes. Interesting for you, uh, it seemed at least outside the norm for a lot of the animation companies that I, I think of today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that's very interesting in that village confrontation that I noted was uh, it seems like the women are the only ones to take action as well, which was much appreciated, right? Yeah,
1: the men were like
0: yeah, cowering you see,
1: in the back and freaking out. Yeah,
0: you see like when Lady Eboshi gets knocked unconscious, uh, they're the first ones to like rush over and to like... Help take her away from from the center of the fight. They're also the first ones to take up arms to um, attempt to stop Ashitaka from taking San away as well. Yeah,
1: and can we just say he gets blasted giant yeah. asshole through his chest, just keeps rocking.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's just one of those things I really appreciate was like how take charge they were when you've got like a, a bunch of the men who are just kind of standing around doing absolutely nothing yeah these people like immediately like okay i gotta i gotta step in and do my part and this was very uh refreshing like i said before we've got the confrontation between shortly after this uh the wolves and ape clan right ape clan wants to kill ashitaka because he's a human
1: no they don't want to kill him they want to
0: eat him kill him and eat him yeah you know ape shit (laughs) and you start to see sort of the, the like i said before the this uh system of warring factions right it seems like the wolves are very much like we just want to stick within the forest and we'll do whatever we can to stay within the forest right we don't want to have to be um actively at war with the humans if they come into our land then we'll do something we're not setting up to go do battle yeah you know we wind up then seeing the boars shortly after who are kind of like this this dying subgroup who are like no we're gonna go out in a final blaze of glory and like we will just attack the humans and whatever happens will happen out of this. Yeah. Kind of resigned to like we're we're a doomed group either way, so we will do whatever we must.
1: Might as well go out with a bang. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Damn it's did they. Was uh was very interesting. Uh we wind up seeing shortly after this, uh Ashitaka winds up being brought to the center of the forest. Um and baby birded Yeah, well, not before but yeah it does get some baby birding going on between son and him <laughs> the the love the love uh story between the two i i felt like wasn't the strongest
1: oh definitely not
0: but it was very it was very fairy tale right where it's like you don't need the like courtship and yeah. the long drawn out like interactions between the two right it's like yeah, the the sort of folklore story really allows for um Kind of a love at first sight type thing, right? Because you get the you already understand like the visual shorthand or the the storytelling shorthand that's that's used in place. I am far too deep into folklore reading right now, and I, I it's it's been rough. It's been very rough. (sighs) Fuck yeah, no. So we wind up getting introduced to the spirit of the forest, and one of the things that I very much um I don't know I appreciate like visually how this worked was that you see uh, every time that the the creature steps on the ground like you see this massive outburst of growth and then this quick like decay that happens right you see this This you kind of get these these dual elements of, of nature and like yeah. the circle of life coming which through which was really cool which we really appreciate because y- you oftentimes only see like the one side it's like oh yeah no whenever this thing steps it's just plants sprout and you don't see like everything else that has to happen as a, as a natural cycle of it right yeah because like if Whenever this thing stepped, you did have this massive amount of growth. Eventually, that growth is going to choke out the things that surround it. So seeing it being like, no, there's this natural consequence to this this growth is that it has to fade away, otherwise everything around it dies too. Yeah. Right. It it, it sort of kind of it reinforces what we're seeing within the story itself, right? Mm-hmm. Of of this this cyclical nature of things and this action reaction that that we we see uh, as one one group grows in in power and another group has to shrink from it yeah and my last note wound up being competing goals and ideologies between the wolves apes and boars which we've already discussed yeah boars wind up planning to launch an attack on the human village you know
1: doesn't go well for them yeah
0: ashitaka gets nursed back to health and sent away you know, he gets, he gets sent away. We start moving into this final conflict as he returns back to Irontown and finds it now besieged by the samurai uh, forces, the, the daimyo's forces, right? Yep. Um, which was a thing that apparently had been really uh, debated on by Miyazaki was how much you discussed the uh, the like feudal lords before this. Right, because you really
1: don't get a lot,
0: and, and that was that was intentional. He was looking for a thing where he's like, you know, in in real life, you don't you tend to have this in battles, right? Where there's this battle that's going on, and then some third force just comes out of nowhere and fucks the whole thing, right? Well, that yeah. nobody really anticipated or planned for, and in that way, you kind of have there's this battle between the f- the forest and Iron Town, and then just oh, there's just a the third force that comes in and just decimates shit, and just you know,
1: fucks it up.
0: Yeah, you know, because. If I remember right, the Jigo uh, is working for the Daimyo, right, and winds yeah. up using his resources to completely destroy the boar attack and thwart that, right, which upsets the uh, the scale even further. Oh, yeah. You know, you kind of have this third group that comes in to just kind of pick up the scraps of this, this long conflict. Um, you know, uh, Ashitaka then rushes back to the forest because he finds out that Lady Eboshi's been... Uh, hunting. Yeah, is is now is off hunting for the forest spirit because she wants to kill it because <coughs> doing so will will give her full access to the mountain and its resources. Yeah. You know, we've got our character Jigo who's looking to to kill the forest spirit because he wants its head because he can give the head to the emperor because the emperor's looking for immortal life and that will basically set up the monk for life. Asshole. Um, yeah. You know, you've you've got this uh, convergence of forces. Yeah. Uh let's see we've got the the whole final fight between Eboshi and the forest spirit. Mhm. Do you have anything to say about that that sequence other than like fuck man lady Eboshi gets so like single minded towards her goal and winds right? up like in in that in that drive to complete this one goal undoes everything that she's worked for and stood for in the past, right? She loses
1: a damn arm because of it. Yeah. It's yeah, it's very
0: I mean, uh, she, yeah, she winds up, she gets... I
1: thought that was an interesting thing, where she gets so set on killing the forest spirit that she literally doesn't even care about all these people that she's helped anymore.
0: Yeah. She doesn't care if they die. Well, it's, I don't think it's even that. I think it's realizing that um, if she goes back to fend off the daimyo again, then great, she's fended off the daimyo, but... But she still has her other problem. She... For now right she's she's gotten rid of him for the moment but she's still gonna have the daimyo coming back once again with more forces right she has to do this one thing to be able to yeah get the resources to uh secure her clan's standing right yeah so i guess i'd of it,
1: it that way it's kind
0: of in a similar way h- to how earlier she was like we're not going to waste time finding the bodies at the bottom of this cliff we're going to assume they're already dead because we need to do this otherwise we don't eat yeah right uh so in a similar way how she's willing to make that trade-off that early in she's kind of making the same trade-off now where she's like look mm-hmm. we could have problems in irontown sure but if i don't solve this now our problems are going to be much worse later on down the line
1: it's just to me a very cold approach to the situation and at, at the
0: same time right we're, we're running into one of the themes that miyazaki had wanted to to discuss right uh which was the oh when he's when he's discussing the uh number of incidents that have occurred upon the ugly side of of human nature right people accumulating their hatred towards something uh or someone that is different from themselves and ending up killing them right like in in this other way like the um conflict between Oboshi and the forest spirit has has hit such a point where it's it's kind of left on a rail now right like there's only one way this thing can go yeah And it's it's kind of become one of the the driving influences for her moving forward, right? She almost loses sight of, of, like we've said before, the thing that she's been working for this whole time. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, she winds up kind of seeing the error of her ways and going back to Irontown after the thing's already been killed.
1: Well, yeah. Which, that was a great sequence when he's, like, trying to
0: get his head back. That was great. Yeah, because they wind up... uh, the four spirit gets killed and beheaded and becomes kind of this this massive spirit blob, right, that that uh, causes decay in anything that it touches.
1: Well, it goes back to like the very demon aspect of things. hmm from like the beginning of the movie is he gets killed but then Right. Like hate just kind of takes over and he just kills everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's where we kind of run into our, our last our last section. I don't know by this point I was definitely fading a bit. It's uh it's what, like a two and a half hour movie?
1: Uh yeah, I think so almost.
0: Yeah. And we were watching it very late. It was like three AM when we finished. It was. Um But uh they do wind up managing uh Ashitaka and San manage to get the uh head of the forest spirit and return it to the forest spirit and Things kind of just wind up being all right, right? Like life does return to the forest, but you you understand that it's it's never going to be the same, right? The the mystery of the forest, the like fantasy of it, uh, is gone. Yeah. Right? And while things like the wolves and uh, ape clans and all this stuff, they'll still exist, right? As as time moves forward, they'll become more and more. normal right we already saw this with the boars where the boars are like we used to be a uh like wise and and honorable people and now we're being reduced to squealing pigs right by the time by the time that uh okoto dies he predicts that like we're we're gonna be left with nothing but just mindless squealing animals yeah and so we would rather die with our honor intact than uh see this occur
1: well you can't really blame them
0: yeah uh, so in that way, once the, f- once the, the spirit of the, of the forest or in its, in its way, I guess, like the, the mystery of it, right, winds up, winds up vanishing, you also have this, this kind of return to the mundane. Yeah. In, in a way, it's kind of like the, it's a, it's a very much like a, a loss of innocence thing for the, for the forest itself, right? With the forest being its own character. Yeah. Right, where you have this, this destruction of this thing that's meant to be pure and good, and this reconciliation from it that you can never return back to. Hmm.
1: But I feel like wasn't the last shot of one of the little like,
0: yeah of, of one of the, the forest spirits. Well, and that's the, that is a thing, right? Is those things I guess will will always exist, but it's a thing where the the forest will never return to the way it was.
1: Yeah. But I thought I thought that was a good last shot to be like maybe it's,
0: things aren't all that bad. Like there's there's still there's still mystery in the world. You know, yeah. you just it's it's going to be small and you have to look for it. Yeah. And uh, you know we wind up having. San and Ashitaka realize that although they may, I think, love each other, they they will never be able to be together because their their two goals are two different things. Right? San wants to return to the to the forest and, and tend to it, and Ashitaka wants to return to the iron town and help them rebuild and um, kind of heal from from the damage that's occurred, and maybe to to help set them on a way that's more harmonious with uh with the forest
1: yeah that's what i was about to say is is very like from his point of view maybe he feels he can change some of their thinking
0: yeah in that you know yeah yeah that they they don't have to be in conflict with this thing that's outside themselves yeah you know they you
1: can live a little bit more harmoniously if
0: you choose to one of the things that's that's really interesting to me was uh you know in, in the process of iron working the way that they do you need a lot of lumber for charcoal, and so it's interesting to see them not uh, replanting any trees or anything. We actually see them actively discouraging it, right? When you have, I think it was one of Ape Clan. Yeah, they're was, out it was planting a the trees. Shadow and figure out and in the forest trying to plant. We're just kind of. Yeah, if you see one of the, the uh, kind of a shadowy figure that, I th- like we said, I think is probably yeah, I think so. Ape planner or, or a forest spirit, basically that is out attempting to replant the trees that have been cut down um and instead gets uh shot at and chased away by the village, right? We, yeah. we see them actually discouraging this thing, um, that's like necessary as well to their way of life.
1: You just sort of appreciate what you got.
0: Yeah. But um I think that that basically brings us to the end of our like actual like discussion of the the story of the thing and, and I mean I'm at the end of my notes. Um I dunno, do you have anything that you wanna say On that end, and then I've got maybe one or two things to talk about, and then we'll wrap up.
1: Uh, No, I mean other than that, I just really loved like the theming and the message of it.
0: Mm -hmm. And like once again, it's visually just
1: so pleasing to look at, so beautiful.
0: Like I I meant to mention like the opening colors and everything at the at the start. Like you have those like bright, vibrant greens and. Uh, blues and then the way that it shifts as you move into the movie right you start seeing a lot more um browns, like browns and, blacks and grays and, and blacks and then at the very end of the movie a return to those bright vibrant greens and reds and yellows it's uh like the the color palette as as the film goes is absolutely gorgeous and does a lot to uh get you into this mood of yeah, what is happening a, yeah it does a lot to help show the mood that they're they're aiming for and sort of the the theme right as 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 uh, as the conflict continues to to build you see the colors become more gray and muted and less less vibrant and lively
1: yeah it was just like like i said after we finished watching it it's just a really beautiful message and it looked great and yes yeah watch this movie yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it's um apparently it will be up for streaming soon i just read that i guess hbo max is gonna have Twenty-one of Studio Ghibli's films up
1: for viewing pleasure.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm never sure how to pronounce that studio's name because I've heard it Studio Ghibli and Studio Ghibli, and I've just been like, I'll just say Ghibli. Yeah. It's it, here's why it's Ghibli's just so fun. Yeah. It's it's it sounds like it's it's like I don't know you. I imagine Jello. Yeah. Right. I don't know, and but if I say Studio Ghibli, I I just think Lord of the Rings because it sounds too close to Gimli. Thank you. Yeah. Um. But, uh, yeah, it was just, it's a really beautiful film. It's uh, Honestly, I think it might be the first Miyazaki film that I can, like, remember all the way through, right? I remember watching Howl's Moving Castle, like, shortly after it came out in the U.S. And I've watched uh, Spirited Away at one point, for sure, when I was, like, much younger. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was probably up on, I don't know, maybe it could have been shown on Cartoon Network or something, or Adult Swim. But I don't remember it super great i remember like bits and pieces and imagery for sure uh-huh. but a lot of the actual film is just very blanked out for me i remember in my japanese class they were showing ponyo but i n- remember like seeing a little bit of it It was during like one of the only japanese club uh meetings i went to they were showing it and uh i remember like watching it but being like this is too childish for me and not paying any attention to it because i was a really shitty 17 year old
1: No comment. Uh,
0: Well, I know what your comment was. It's probably you're a really shitty twenty-four year old, and I won't disagree with that statement. You aren't wrong, but I'm less shitty. And that's something says you. (laughs) You didn't meet 17 year old me. (laughs) I know, I'm just fucking with you. I hate seventeen year old me.
1: Everybody hates their seventeen year old self.
0: But uh
1: They were all dicks. Yeah.
0: Um I'm gonna spend the next probably like five or so discussing the NHK documentary. Um, I know you haven't watched it, Frankie, but uh, it, it was just very interesting. Um, I'm only maybe like a half hour or so in uh, to basically a almost four hour documentary because I I literally just found it, but um, it was really interesting. So I guess like this was this was shot in 2006, right? Um, as he's just like starting to work on Ponyo, and so it's really neat seeing like his early creative process where first of all he's in like a an independent studio, right? Which is basically it looks it looks like this uh maybe like a medium-sized house or something that he's working in and he's got like a really interesting like morning ritual of like entering in, saying hello to the the spiritual residents of the house before making coffee and like setting That's out dope. a bench and and like opening up the whole place's windows and and all that. Um I guess when the documentary started, it took like two weeks before they, uh, he actually started working on his next film, like, they started the documentary because they're like, oh, you're working on another film, great, we'll come document the process, and so they spend two weeks with him as he doesn't get a ton done, but, um, seeing him start where he's, he starts off from just like, I've got an idea of a couple images or a character and we'll figure out a way to get a story to work with this is, is great, um as well like seeing the early uh cells and design is fantastic if you've got some time to kill or you're looking for something to watch i highly recommend checking it out it will be in the show notes i will make a note of it but i think that's going to bring us to uh the end of our discussion today we're we're running about where i wanted we're about an hour 20 or so without me cutting anything out um frankie do you have any like last statements about uh this movie first and then I will ask you an additional question once you're paying attention to me.
1: Um, no, I think I'm good. I don't, like...
0: Nothing additional? Say you feel like you got what you wanted to out? Yeah. Like I said, definitely do yourself a favor and watch this, uh... And listen to the fucking message, people. I I won't go... So, well, you know. You give me murder eyes. I don't like when you give me murder eyes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely, definitely give it a viewing, um it's one of the few films as well where like the english dub doesn't really kill it right um you maybe lose some of the the emotional tones that you would have got from the japanese dub um yeah you know you can definitely it it very much hits uh even though they're all accomplished actors i don't know how many beyond john dimaggio are accomplished voice actors you know so yeah. you can definitely see some of their work gets a little stilted a and little off, yeah you know Um, I think the guy who played Ashitaka, this was, like, one of his first film credits that I remember seeing. So, you know, I don't know, like, how experienced he was with voiceover work. And voiceover work and actual acting are very different animals. Yeah. But, uh, I still think that it it holds up pretty well. Uh, Frankie, my second question, and I will cut out any time you need to think about this, okay? Okay. But, uh, seeing as we're still in the middle of quarantine... Do you have anything that you want to recommend to people to watch or enjoy this uh, this week to like bring them just a little bit of extra uh, good?
1: If you're looking to laugh and just like have an overall good time, even though I haven't finished it, I would recommend Good Almonds. Okay. Because that's just the greatest thing ever.
0: You're only thinking about that because I just mentioned Neil Gaiman earlier, aren't you?
1: No, I'm been YouTube. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's not a bad recommendation. My my latest obsession has been, uh, and to be fair, I did this last year too, so before you get on me, this isn't anything new, but I've been watching an absurd amount of Warhammer 40,000 uh, lore videos. They're great though. They're they're really great. I don't know. It, it sucks because it's like- They're the, so long. Well, it sucks because like, the, the series has been really co-opted by like a lot of fascists. And that sucks like a lot, right yeah, especially for something that is so much like against that it really right? portrays authoritarianism in a very negative light, but uh, the person who's been pointing out what I've been watching is luton zero nine l u e t i n zero nine uh videos oftentimes run at about an hour in length hour and a half, because um, it is very extensive. the guy puts in an absurd amount of work and uh it
1: seems like because damn that's a lot of info he uh-huh just puts out there pulling
0: from like so many different sources and it's just it's really interesting i, I find like the warhammer universe to be really like well fleshed out and it's easy to just kind of lose yourself in yeah so I, I definitely think the other night was your first introduction to it, and I don't yeah, know. but
1: I was digging the shit out of it.
0: I, like you, you told me you you sat through like the entirety of the one I was watching last night, and then a good chunk of the one after it. Yes, so. I did. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's good times. I'm gonna throw out a second recommendation as well because why not? Um, the other obsession of mine has been watching through uh, Rob Eger's collative learning videos. Uh, he does um, really in-depth film analysis from like a, um, I don't know, He's he's got like a, a background as a like psychiatrist and stuff, but he's got some very interesting videos, um, a lot of stuff digging into The Shining, uh, 2001, The Exorcist, like all of these are really good. Um, he's got a couple of them up for free on YouTube that uh, is definitely worth a look. He also, he's got a very unique system where he also has them up on his website for you to pay for uh, for like a whole series i saw one that was like a 40 minute video on something about uh uh, hereditary for like seven bucks and i'm very tempted to buy (laughs) um but it's it's a very interesting system but i I find his his videos to be really interesting um and he's got a very nice voice it's lovely it's uh (laughs) easy to lose yourself in for a little bit so those are my my recommendations for the week
1: I can't really recommend anything else because I've mostly just been doing music.
0: It's it's all good. Has there been an album that's been released this uh, recently that you're you're digging?
1: Not an album, but a song okay. or an artist in particular.
0: Okay, you want to plug the artist?
1: So this artist I've been listening to, her name is spelled K A R L I E N E. Okay. She does like, <laughs> she takes historical figures or just like. Crazy shit that's happened in history and just kind of writes music about it in a yeah. fun way.
0: I'm like, I like it. I know. I know you like it. I'm not the biggest fan, but you and I agree on like 0% of our musical taste.
1: That's because yours is shit and mine is awesome. I, I
0: think the only musician that we've ever agreed on is maybe AJJ.
1: I like some of the clipping stuff, though.
0: Oh, yeah. The videos like a, are weird, A little bit clipping stuff.
1: I'm sorry. Screaming is not singing.
0: It absolutely not. is. I'm I'm sorry that my artists have, like, raw passion and yours are all uh, driven by auto-tune.
1: That's not true. <laughs> if you'd bothered to listen to that group I sent you over Discord, you'd know.
0: Uh, if you bothered to watch any of the ten videos I sent you over Discord, you would know. I've been busy. You haven't. been writing. You haven't.
1: I have, so don't come at me with
0: that. Uh, but, yeah, I think that those uh, are some pretty solid recommendations, and that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I've been Fred. I've been Frankie. And uh, be kind. Rewind. And be excellent.
1: Should I still say that with you?
0: Oh, it's fine. Party on. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.